Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and, um, and verse number 5. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Amen. We're um, a, a little bit scattered out in our Wednesday evening uh, study. And um, sometimes that's necessary to look at a lot of different verses and and um, different places, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Abraham and uh, because he's such a classic example of someone who had a genuine faith. And um, then, of course, we've looked at the life of David. Again, a classic example of someone whose faith was genuine. Um, we've looked at the life of Timothy. And we see that his faith also commended by the Apostle Paul, both in Paul's letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy, and Paul's letter to Timothy, the second letter. In both of those, he mentions um, Timothy's genuine faith, his sincere faith. But we also see, of course, you know, in the Scriptures that, um, that there are some who believe they're in faith uh, when they're really not. And if the Bible teaches us about an unfeigned faith, then you know, that also speaks of a, a faith that would, would be feigned. And feigned means pretend or simulated, a simulated faith. Now, I feel compelled to mention that you know, faith is a big subject and an important subject. And a lot of times when we talk about faith or when people hear someone else talk about faith, they hear it like in just a general, uh, you know, context. Um, like for instance, you, you know, you, people say, I shared my faith with someone at work today. Okay, well, that's good. But what, what that person means by that is, more than likely, they, hopefully they told the person about Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, his sinless life. In other words, they shared what they believed with, with someone at work um, <clears throat> concerning what they believe about Jesus. And so we, we kind of generalize it by saying, well, I shared my faith. Okay, well, that's good, and I'm not saying that's bad or wrong, but when we get into the book of Hebrews, like, for instance, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, um, often referred to as Faith's Hall of Fame. Um, it talks about Moses' faith. It talks about Abraham's faith. It talks about, you know, all these different folks and their faith, but it doesn't talk about it in a vague or general way. It talks about their faith, genuine faith, in a very specific and detailed way. Listen now, very carefully. And it, and it reveals their faith based upon what they accomplished by faith, what they received by faith, what they were able to do for God and His kingdom by faith. Specific, not general. Okay? We even see, and I, I think we need to really begin, if we're going to have a practical understanding of faith, 
is that we need to take it out of the realm of something you know, general and, and vague uh, into something more specific, all, all the way down to even understanding faith as a tool. Amen. Because we see that Jesus used faith as a tool. Amen. And he taught his disciples how to use faith as a tool. Jesus did things by faith. He accomplished things by faith. He ministered to people by faith. He healed people by faith. He cast out demons by faith. He multiplied food by faith. Are you just what I'm saying? So, you know, Jesus could say, I shared my faith with 5,000 men plus women and children today. And how did he share his faith? He shared his faith by taking a little boy's lunch, blessing it, breaking it, and, and, and multiplying it, right? So if we will begin to think in terms of faith as a substance divinely given to us, Romans 12, 3 says, God has given to every man, every person, the measure of faith. Mark 11, he says, have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. In other words, he's, he's saying the disciples were questioning how Jesus, you know, caused that fig tree to wither up and die. And he looks at them as if they're behind the learning curve and says, have faith in God. Because if you have faith in God, you'll say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. So do you see the difference between a general, vague, my faith, we're in faith, we're, we have faith, versus using the faith that you've been given, developing, strengthening, learning how to utilize the faith you've been given to move obstacles out of your way, to, to, to affect change both in your life and in the lives of other people. So there's a, there's a big difference then. Um, and, and so when we say it's a big subject, you know, when we teach on faith, um, depending on what you understand about faith or how you view the subject, is, is going to determine a lot about how you hear um, uh, what's being said. And so, for the record, um, I'm talking about the more specific utilization of faith, using faith in a practical way to experience tangible, measurable, verifiable results. Okay? So, for instance, on... on different occasions we see where someone by faith, the woman with the issue of blood is the classic example of this. Her faith was a genuine faith. How do you know it was a genuine faith? Because Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Amen. Now you say, well, wait a second, Pastor Mark. Jesus made her whole because he felt the healing virtue, the healing power of God flow out of his body into someone. He, remember, he looked around and said, who touched me? And the, the disciples were like, well, Jesus, we don't want to be like a smart aleck here, but everybody's touching you. Everybody's thronging you, right? Is, is what the King James Version says. But see, it's, there's a difference between someone who throngs Jesus and someone who touches him, okay? And, and so there were a lot of people thronging him. There were a lot of people because he was such a popular figure and, and pressing to try to get a glimpse of him or get close to him. But notice that the woman who touched him, she didn't throng him. She touched him and she touched him by her faith. So he said, your faith made you whole. 
It was her faith that made the connection that allowed the virtue to flow from him into her. Okay? But it was her faith. Now, where'd she get that faith? God's given to every person the measure of faith. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but she developed that faith because the Bible says that she said continually within herself. She said continually within herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She fed her faith that steady diet. There are some who preach and teach, and I personally believe this to be true, but we, we don't have these dots definitively connected for us by Jesus. But if you recall, the prophet in the Old Testament said of Jesus that there would be healing in his wings. Healing in his wings. And that's not like a bird flapping his wings. The, the prayer shawl and the tassels and the, and the hems of those garments were referred to as the wings of those garments. And so the prophet said that there would be healing in the wings of the Messiah. And of course, Jesus now, people are beginning to confess and believe that he is the Messiah. And so, again, Jesus did not definitively connect these dots, but I believe that was another portion of Scripture, truth, that the woman with the issue of, of, the, of blood focused on. Uh, she believed that he was the one the prophet spoke of and that there would be healing in the wings of his garment. So she said, if I but touch it. But she said it in herself continually, feeding her faith, strengthening, growing, developing the measure of faith that she had been given to the point that she acted on that faith. You know, at some point, you gotta, you got to get off the sofa and go do something, right? Now, the Bible says that faith without works is dead, okay? But we've also identified that, that works without faith is dangerous. And a lot of the simulated faith that's in the body of Christ today when it comes to receiving the promises of God and the results of those promises in a person's life um, is more about you know, simulating making a faith confession, simulating a corresponding action. In other words, all the, all the trappings that go along with genuine faith with one exception. The genuine faith is not really developed properly in the, inside of the person first. See, I, amen, I'm not, I know that sometimes people get all offended. I'm not trying to offend you. This is not about offense. It's about getting it right. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, notice what it says. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? And of course he goes on to say that we know that we're not disqualified. So notice here he's saying examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith or whether you are really in faith. It's a big, big difference between believing in your heart and trying to convince yourself. And, and this doesn't mean, listen to me now, this doesn't mean that we can't develop that genuine faith in us to the point that, that we can then release that faith through a confession or through an action and actually see the results. 
one of the ways we examine ourselves, and I know some of you are new to the study tonight, um, those of you that have been with us on Wednesdays for uh, several weeks, we, we looked at Hebrews 4, and there he says that we enter into rest through belief, through faith. And that the generation that came out of Egypt never entered into their rest, and they didn't enter in because of unbelief. We talked about it in, in, in discipleship class this evening, but one of the ways that you know your, your faith is genuine and you're genuinely in faith is that you're at rest. You're at rest. Keith Moore was teaching on this, um, and, and he was talking about at a point in his life where he had been believing God and, and believing God and praying about a certain situation, and, and uh, he said he was, he was just really just frustrated about it and, and, and not getting the results and not seeing the results. And, and, uh, and so he just decided to have a conversation with the Lord about it. And he's like, Lord, you know, I've been praying, I've been believing, I've been this, I've been speaking the word, I've all those other stuff. And he's, I'm, I'm just not really sure, you know, what's going on here? And the, and the Lord spoke a simple word to his heart. He said, he said, frustration is not faith. Frustration is not faith. Now, see, here's a, here's a way that we can examine ourselves. Come on now. Here's a way that we can examine ourselves. If we're genuinely in faith about something, we're not going to be frust frustrated and stressed out about it. Because when you, when you enter into the faith, you enter into the rest. Right? So you say, well, Pastor Mark, what, what, if, what if I'm frustrated? What if I'm this or that or whatever, then let's, let's, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Let's do what the scriptures in, instruct us to do. The Bible says, abide in the word, let the word of God abide in you. He told Joshua, keep it in front of your eyes, don't let it depart out from in front of them, right? Hide it in your heart. In other words, the faith that's in us, it, it grows when it's fed, okay? Let me, I, I know, Amen. We've talked about this some, but let me... One last part about feigned faith versus unfeigned faith, okay? Unfeigned would be sincere or genuine faith. Feigned faith would be pretend or simulated. And when I think of something simulated, for some reason I think of two things. And I don't know what comes to your mind simulated. I could, I could force a third one. The third one is kind of an outlier. That's simulated cheese spread, okay? It's, it's a non-dairy version of cheese, right? Looks like cheese, smells like cheese, tastes like cheese, but it ain't cheese, okay? But the, the two that, that come to my mind first is simulated leather, right? When I was a kid, we called it naugahyde. Naga, what? Don't ask me, you younger guys. I don't know. Okay, it was called Naga hide, right? And it was some kind of petroleum-based version of leather. The other one, and this one probably comes to my mind first when I think of something simulated, is I think of a flight simulator. Am I the only one? A flight simulator, and it's something that a pilot gets in to train. And and the idea behind a flight simulator is that everything about it is supposed to be just like an airplane. With one exception, you never leave the ground. I mean, it looks like 
it sounds like, everything. And, and of course, the value of that is if someone in a flight simulator makes a mistake, they get to talk about it to their family at supper that night, right? Amen. And so it's a good way to learn. But the one thing a flight simulator doesn't have is an engine or wings. It's, it, it, in other words, the idea is anything that's simulated is it has all the characteristics, but it still ain't real. And so a lot of times when we go into simulated faith is we, we substitute words for genuine faith. We, oh, I'm believing, brother. I'm believing with you, brother. Well, are we? Are we really believing? Are you really believing with me, right? And, 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 the, and the problem with that is we, we kind of minimize and trivialize what it really means. You know, I'm just standing on the Word. Well, it's 66 books. Which one are you, which, what are you standing, right? But see, we just throw those things out there and it, and it, it undermines and trivializes what, what real faith, genuine faith, sincere faith really is, Right? And, and, and it's aroused, it's awakened when we hear the Word of God. It's something that has to be fed and nurtured and strengthened and developed. We, we see this in, um, in Abraham's life. Um, we see that he started out in faith, but he was weak in faith. But he learned how to give glory to God. He learned how not to focus on things that, that weakened his faith and, 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 and hindered his faith, but to focus on things that fed his faith and strengthened his faith so that he, over a period of time, went from laughing at the promises of God to being what Romans 4 says, fully convinced. The first time God told him what God was going to do for him and what God had promised to do in his life, he laughed at it. It seemed so far-fetched. It seemed so extreme. It seemed so far beyond anything that was possible, right, that he laughed about it. But we get to see in the Old Testament and then the New Testament, you know, gives us a different version of it. I say different version. Of it. I call it the... The Old Testament, you see all the struggles and the mistakes that Abraham made and how he grew into and became this strong man of faith, right? When you drag that through the blood of Jesus into the New Testament, you just think he never went through any of those struggles but eventually reached that point. But we have the whole story. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we shouldn't think it strange that if the father of faith... Father of all who believe is, is how Abraham is, is, is identified for us. And even New Testament believers, he's the father of all who believe. And we are to follow in the footsteps of our father Abraham's faith. And we see how he struggled initially with the staggered. The Bible says the promises of God were staggering to him. But how he kept giving glory to God, how he kept setting his mind on the goodness of God and the promises of God and the ability of God and strengthened and fed his faith to the point that he became fully convinced and received the promises into his life reality. Well, if, if he's our example, why, why do we think we get the pass and, and aren't, aren't required to feed and develop and grow and strengthen and increase our faith? That we can just somehow watch what people who are in genuine faith do 
and somehow say those things and do those things. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? We adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, it don't work like that, does it, Brother Terry, right? They, they, they were letting their mouth write a check that their faith couldn't cash. Now, did they say the right words? Yeah. D were demons cast out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches? Absolutely. But those demons looked at them men. They said, we know who Jesus is and we know who Paul is, but we, we don't know who you are. There were, in other words, there was, there was no substance. There, there, was, there was no faith in, in, in the words that they spoke. And it didn't turn out well for them, by the way. See, they were getting the cart of works before the horse of faith. Cart before the horse. Y'all ever heard that? Y'all see what I just did with that right there? All right. Let me, um, let me give you one more verse. And then we're going to celebrate um, with our brother and sister. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 15. And um, I won't read the whole passage. I'll, I'll, I mean, I won't read multiple verses. I'll just read the, the one that we're going to look at. It's verse 15. It says, Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Okay, now it's going to require a little bit of explaining. Okay, Paul is, of course, addressing the Corinthians. And if you remember, he went in and pioneered to work there and, and started a church. And, and uh, the church was really growing and, and um, people were being added you know, to the Lord. And, and, of course, Paul went on as an apostle uh, to pioneer another work and, and um, train other pastors and, and do these things. And... And so he's communicating back to them in these two letters, the first letter to the church at Corinth, the second letter to the church at Corinth. And here he says that he has hope. If you underline things in your Bible, underline the phrase that as your faith is increased. That as your faith is increased. Okay? We shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. So Paul is talking to and about, if you will, talking to the people who make up the Corinthian church. And he's saying to them that his hope and prayer is that they will be able to help him do more and more for the kingdom. That's what he's saying. We shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. In other words, he's talking about, first of all, he's talking about what has been assigned to him to do. And how he's not the only one who's been assigned, right? He said that he planted Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. Okay. And, and, you know, the Corinthian church, they were babies, they were immature. And so they're like, well, we were of Apollos or we were of uh, Paul. And Paul's like, man, that's, that's silly for you to you know, think that one of you is better than the other because of the person you heard preach the gospel to you, right? He, he says, we're all on the same team here. But we all have different assignments and job descriptions. And Paul says, my hope for you is that as you increase in faith, you will be able to do more for me to support me in my sphere, in what's been assigned to me, what, what, what God has called me to do, okay? 
Now, I'm sure that we could make a longer list. But what, let's just use Jerry and Marilyn O'Dell as an example. Okay. Um, Jerry Marilyn O'Dell, I believe he would, he would correct me and I would let him correct me because he's older than me. And, but he does not consider himself to be an apostle, but he's an apostle if I've ever met one. Um, he's traveled all over the world. He's preached mass evangelistic crusades. He's pioneered churches and built churches and put pastors in them, and now he's going back to train and meet with and develop those pastors. Did it, what, almost 300 times, I think, in India alone. Okay. What do the Odells need from us? Certainly the partnership, but there's two things. They need us to stand with them in prayer, and they need us to stand with them in finances. That's what they need. And I don't think we're stretching it to fit when the Apostle Paul says to them, my hope is that you will be able to do more for me to enlarge my sphere in the future. For him to mean pray more effectively for me, stand more effectively with me, and support me in a greater way financially. Okay? But notice Paul's wisdom here. In order for the support to increase, both in prayer, spiritual warfare, finances, money, earthly things that are needed, that they were going to have to first increase in faith. Paul said, my hope is you'll increase in faith because if you increase in faith, you'll be able to help me more. That's what partners do, right? The Bible clearly teaches you may never go to Pakistan a day in your life, but you've preached there a bunch of times and you've won a bunch of people to Jesus because you sent the ones who preach, and the Bible says they're all one and the same. The one who preaches, the one who sends, the one who harvests, the ones who plants, all that, right? Okay. So it's not just Paul's like working some angle here. Hopefully you guys will get more faith so you can send me more money. No, no, that's no, not that. It's, we're partners, right? And, but he recognized that the help that he needed from them and the increase in that help that he needed from them would only come through them increasing, growing, becoming stronger, becoming more developed, more skilled with the measure of faith that they've been given. Amen? You get anything out of this? All right, you just... Yes, sir, brother. Yes, sir. Brother Terry got to preach on Sunday to a bunch of folks. And... Uh, the Lord is good. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going, to, we're going to call for the wedding party. Amen. Amen. Father, you're good to us, and we love you. Thank you for the things that you're teaching us about faith, Father. Thank you, Lord, for, for showing us how to grow and develop and nurture and feed the faith, the measure of faith that you've put in our hearts. Father, that we would be like Father Abraham, strong in faith not weak in faith, strong in faith. Father, that we would be like Pastor Timothy, not having pretend or simulated faith, but we'd have genuine faith, Father. Sincere faith. Peter said that sincere faith was more precious than gold itself. Father, thank you tonight for making us aware of these things. And Lord, that we would learn to examine ourselves. Not, not examining one another. It's not my place to examine somebody else. Examine myself. 
as to whether I'm genuinely in faith or not. And Father, thank you that your Holy Spirit's there, not just to show us where we may be missing it, but he's also there to help us get it right. And we submit ourselves to him tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. All right, I finished early to give us plenty of time for this. And um, Paul and Tammy, won't you come? Are you want to do it up here? Or you want to do it at the front and center? Where you?